And man, it was just such a fulfilling time. I was there six years ago, and it was good to see people that I remembered six years ago back again a few weeks back. And uh, man, God is doing some sweet things. Um, but I want to give you a bit of a background about Liberia and what we're doing this week. Um, I'm continuing a series that we started two years ago. And every so often, we're going to drop back into the series from the book of Psalms. And we've titled it Selah, which is a, a phrase in the Psalms that means to pause, to reflect on something. And the book of Psalms are a bunch of uh, songs that have been written for worship, for us to praise God. And, and so what I say is the book of Psalms is God's playlist for the rhythms of our lives. And because sometimes in the Psalms they talk about when life is, life is rough. And we, we have rough lives at times. They talk about when life is joyful. We have that. They talk about passions and desires, and, and really it's God's playlist. And today, we're going to talk about God's burden for all people, and that's in the, the book of Psalms. That's part of God's playlist. Liberia is a country that went through a civil war from 1989 to 2003. Can you imagine that? There are two years of peace in the middle of that. But during that civil war, there's an estimated 500,000 people were killed. 500,000 people were killed. When I showed up in Liberia in 2011, the war had just been over for about six years at that point. I didn't realize that. And if things weren't already bad, in 2014, uh, Liberia was the country that was hit the most with the Ebola ap- epidemic. It was a disease that spread like wildfire. In fact, at the time, there were only 150, I think, doctors known to be doctors in the country of Liberia. 4,810 people died because of Ebola in 2014. If the Civil War and Ebola weren't bad enough, Liberia is ranked as the fourth poorest country in the world. And Right away being there, you see it. It's just poor, extreme poverty. People living in cement homes, mud floors, um, scraping to get by every meal every day. And yet, I'm just amazed at the level of generosity that such a poor people have. This shirt was given to me by one of Pastor Wilson's nephews, uh, Marky Boy, as we call him. And I got to know Marky Boy my first trip there, and just a loving, loving young man. In fact, he's older than me, uh, but in that culture, he's a very young man. And uh, he bought me this shirt. He bought Erica that dress to bring home to Erica. And uh, I know he scrapes by day to day. He's a driver. He drives around a business owner. That's his job. He's a chauffeur in Liberia. And he's just living, you know, day to day, literally. And somehow in that, he found income to buy me a shirt. And this is not the only shirt I was given. I was given two other shirts. In fact, one by another man who's unemployed but found money to scrape by to buy me a shirt. And another shirt was given to me by the people, who, the pastors who were at the conference. Um, they said that they were so grateful because we helped raise money to pay for their transportation to come to the conference. We paid for their taxi rides. And, and for them, they said, if that wasn't the case, I probably wouldn't have been able to come. And yet they all scraped by, all 125 pastors, they, they put their money together over three days to buy me, uh, my old former pastor, Ralph, who came with us, and a professor at Moody, a friend of mine, Kerwin. They bought all three of us shirts as a way of gratitude. It's just remarkable how a poor people 
who has suffered so much can be so giving. Can be so giving. I mentioned Ebola struck the country in 2014. And at the time, Pastor Wilson was actually here at the brook. Um, the thing is, none of you met him, probably, well, some of you did, but he was supposed to come and preach that Sunday, but his son Ebenezer had died while he was here. And we don't know to this day what he died of, but it was awfully similar to what may have been Ebola. And so instead of preaching that Sunday, he flew back to the country. And some of you may have met him at the park when he was with us. But as, uh, as he went back home, of course, we were keeping a close eye on what was going on in the country, what God would do to stem the, the tide of this epidemic. And during that time, there was a missionary named Nancy Wrightbull, a woman here from the States who was serving in Liberia with her husband. She contracted Ebola. And I had this uh, amazing privilege of meeting Nancy. A 59-year-old woman who got Ebola this close to death. She wrote this. She says, at night when I was alone, I would lay my head on the pillow and pray. Lord, I don't know whether I'm going to wake up and make it through the night, but I know one thing. I will either wake up in the morning here or in your presence. She says, and he gave me the assurance that this was true. She says, God is good. He was good before I got Ebola. He was good when I had Ebola. Whether he would have taken my life or healed my body, in either case, he would have been good. That's a rock-solid woman there. She was brought back to the United States and went through medical treatment day to day. And by God's grace, he chose to heal her. And they asked her what she would do then. She says, I'm going back to Liberia. And people were like, what are you thinking? She was reading a book by John Piper called Risk is Right. And by God's grace, we were able to give that book to every woman at the retreat this past year. And in that book, and part of that life, John Piper writes, none makes the worth of Christ shine more brightly than sacrificial love for other people in the name of Jesus. If Christ is so valuable that the hope of his immediate and eternal fellowship after death frees us from self-serving fear of dying and enables us to lay down our lives for the good of others, Such love magnifies the glory of Christ like nothing else in the world. And Nancy says this about that. She says, that says it for us, for her and her husband. We went to Liberia not knowing that we were going to be working with Ebola. But we went, first of all, because of our love for Christ. And then second of all, because of our love for the world and others. Man, when I showed up at the... Elwa complex where Professor Kerwin and Pastor Ralph were staying. I got there and I saw her. And she says, hi, I'm Nancy Reipel. I said, I know who you are. I said, and so does my church. I said, you're a hero of the faith. And she's like, well, I don't know about that. Super humble. Like, you're taking my picture right now. I'm taking a picture with you. Remarkable, remarkable woman. My hope and prayer is that all of us, all of you, would have a chance to go overseas one day. 
and serve God, and even for a, a week or two, and to see what he's doing. There's a number of things God will do in your heart that he's done in my heart. The times that I spent time with Erica in, in Uruguay, South America, in an orphanage, when I was in Liberia six years ago, and this past uh, month when I was there. The first thing he does, you grow in your appreciation of what you have here. <laughs> I took showers with a bucket for 10 days, dumping a bucket over my head because there's no wa- running water in the country. There's no electricity either uh, until actually about three weeks before I got there, they had electricity. It was like pay-as-you-go, like phone minutes, you know, sort of craziness. But they had enough, and they paid for enough of me to have a fan on me through the night, which I was so grateful for. Sleeping in, his, uh, in a mosquito net with a fan blowing on me. No, uh, no glass on our windows, but there were wires, so I was safe. But it was loud, and it was uh, hot. I was sweaty, and I really appreciate the air conditioner. <laughs> you grow in your appreciation of what you have here, but secondly, you also grow in your concern for what we have here. It's amazing how our blessings have a way of blinding us. And we oftentimes don't realize how much we really need God in the midst of it. And that concerns me. I didn't drink coffee for a week. Guys, this was hard. (laughs) It was there. I just couldn't drink it. I was so dehydrated. I was like, if I drink this thing, I'm going to pass out. Because one day I did, I was like dizzy. So I was like, all right, Lord, I think you're telling me I I I need to drop this thing. And I obeyed, <laughs> and I was hard. You grow in your appreciation and concern for what we have here. Third thing is, you realize the world is bigger than you. Think, uh, we live in a wonderful country, man. But sometimes we can really think it's about us, don't we? We forget that there are billions of people, not, not thousands, not, not hundreds, not mil- billions of people outside of these United States. The world's bigger than us. You also see that God is at work throughout the world. So cool to get off the plane in a country that I barely know and meet people and know that they're family. God's at work throughout the world. The fifth thing that I also realize is this, that the more money and the better education, although those are good things, are not the answers for life's problems. Jesus is. And, um, you know, I was with a friend of mine who was a missionary in Iraq the week before I went to Liberia. And he's working with refugees there in Iraq who are leaving the, the ISIS blockades. And, and literally, they have nothing but the shirt on their backs. And my friend says, you know, when he goes to those people who are in these refugee camps, he so badly wishes he could give them stuff. Give them a home. Give them other clothes. Give them a car. But he realized that he can't give them these material needs, but also what it taught him is that he could give them what they really do need. And he says more now than ever, he realized that Jesus is what they need the most. And it took him being in that predicament. Man, I've seen that. In fact, I read yesterday on ESPN that there's a a pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays, a, a closer, a great pitcher, who's having to take a leave of absence from baseball. And what's the reason? It's not because he didn't have enough money, not because he's not famous enough. He's got both of those. But because he can't battle his anxiety. He says this. He says, I really don't know how to explain it. I just feel anxious. I feel like I'm lost a little bit right now. I'm just a little bit lost right now. My heart goes out to him because I say, what he needs is Jesus. It's not the wealth he's got. It's not the fame he's got it. And I think sometimes we forget 
No, it's not what we need. It's what we need is Jesus. And so what I'm going to talk about today is how Jesus is what the world needs. Uh, before I do that, I want to show you guys a video recap of my trip to Liberia. I'll give you some, some shots of the, of the streets of Monrovia, where one conference was, the shots from another place in Harbel, which is an hour outside of Monrovia. In fact, there's a Firestone, you know, the tire, Firestone tires? They have a plantation out there, out in a, an hour out of Monrovia, because there are rubber trees where they, they, they draw out rubber and make these, fire, uh, these Firestone tires. And so we did a conference there in, the, in Harbel, Firestone. Um, at the end of the video, you'll see a man named Pastor Charlie, He's the pastor of the church where we had our conference at. And um, part of the funds that we raised here at the Brook was uh, allowed us to give Pastor Charlie an Africa study Bible. Uh, it's hot off the press. It just came out like two months ago. And uh, he was pretty excited. You'll see his, his expression when, when you get there. Um, there'll be other uh, shots of Pastor Wilson's church and the conference. So check out this video and look what happened in, in Liberia. Tell it everywhere I go. Tell the world, tell them. Yeah, I'm a billboard. Tell the world, tell the broadcaster like a radio. Tell the world, you ought to know. I'm brand new. Uh, I know one thing's true. Yeah. I don't even really deserve to know you, nah. but I, I'm a witness that you did this, and I'm brand new. So, I, I'm ready to go, and I'ma tell the world what they need to know. I slave to myself, but you let me go. I tried getting high, but it left me low. You did what they could never do. You cleaned up my soul and gave me life. I'm so brand new, and that's all that matters. I, I ain't love you first, but you first love me. For the entire conference, that's how you do it. That's Miss Louise over there. Look at that lady's working hard. They've been working since yesterday. Oh, get the fish. Yeah, lovely. Beautiful trout. I got the old me in a rear view, got a new me, got a clear view. I was so dead, I couldn't hear you. They're figuring out the problems in the book of Galatians and 1 John. Why are those letters written? Who are they addressing? And we wrote this that he our life it is written there today that you are our strength in Jesus' name. So there's a way of saying thank you and we have Thank you. 
Long token from our church is back in Chicago, Brooke, Dr. Rivera, the Good News Bible Church, which is where we're from. Uh, we're presenting you a, a brand new Africa Study Bible. Brand new, just out of the I'm brand new. Good time, good time being there. Yeah, thank you guys. So grateful for each of your support. I want to read from the book of Psalms. Would you stand with me as we read Psalm 67? Psalm 67. I'm going to unpack this passage just briefly with us as I continue unpacking God's vision for all peoples. If you have a Bible, Psalm 67, and you don't have one, there's one in the pew in front of you. It's page 481. 481. Psalm 67, this is called a missionary psalm where we see God's heart for all people and how he loves people far and near. So what God's word tells us. Psalm 67, verse 1. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let's read verse 5 together. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. This is God's word for us. You may be seated. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. This is what God wants. All nations, all people. You know, it's important to know that there are many countries in our world, but there are many more people groups within those countries. According to one Website, the joshuaproject.net, there are 16,835 people groups in this world. And that there are 6,945 people groups that are unreached by the good news of Jesus. 6,945 people groups that have not heard about Jesus. These are people on our planet who are without hope. And when God says, let the nations rejoice, let the peoples praise you, God's saying, I have a love for people in those unreached people groups. And a question for you and a question for me is, how will they hear? How will they hear? In Revelation chapter 5, we hear this song shouted out saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll to open its seals, talking to Jesus. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people from God, for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Isaiah says that God has done his work so that people who have not heard of him will see his fame and hear his glory. We want to make God's name famous. 
Some years ago, I was listening to a sermon by this man named John Piper, who was a pastor, on this very passage. And I was just so moved as he talked about God's heart for all people. And I was, I was there Keziah was just a, a, a child, a younger child at the time. And I think I just told her, I said, Keziah, this is so good to hear. And of course, she's always, always so inquisitive. She says, what, why is this so good? I said, because he's telling about um, why we need to talk to people who don't know about Jesus. To tell them about Jesus. She says, well, why don't they know about Jesus? I'm like, well, because no one hasn't told them yet. And then she asked the next question. Why doesn't people go and tell them? Why don't people go and tell them? How would you answer her? Why are there unreached people groups? Why are there people in our world, people in our lives, who haven't heard from us what Jesus does to change a life? Here the psalmist says that God has a desire for all peoples. And it says here in verse 1, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. It is a prayer that God's love will be directed toward his people. Saying, God, we, we want your love. We want your blessing. We want your grace on our lives. We want you to show up in our lives. And this is a, an allusion to Numbers chapter 6, where Moses and Aaron are blessing God's people. Saying, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And so here the psalmist is saying, God, we want your blessings in our lives. And so we went read this and say, well, that, that does sound kind of selfish, doesn't it? Be gracious to us, bless us, make your face shine upon us. It seems like we're making it about, well, us, right? Is this a selfish prayer here? As I was reading this, that question came to my mind and and the answer is in the following verses, verse 2. Because there's a goal behind this. The psalm is saying, God, we want your blessings on our lives, but we want it for a reason. There is a purpose behind our prayer. And look at verse 2. Our purpose is this, so that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Well, what the psalmist is saying here is, God, as you show your blessings to your people, the people in the world around us are going to see and say, there's something unique about that sister, that brother, that guy, that gal. And that gives us the opportunity to say, it's God at work in our lives. Do you pray like that, saying, God, I just want your blessings in my life. Not so that I can have a bigger bank account, a nicer car to show off, a bigger house to, to boast about. But God, I want your blessings on my life in all sorts of ways, with joy and with peace and with gladness, so that the people around me say, what is it about you? So your saving power being made known among all the nations. Your saving power. That word saving there in your passage in verse 2, in Hebrew is the word Yeshua. And if you know some of the biblical languages, Jesus' name in Hebrew is Yeshua. Jesus' name means salvation. And I see cloaked in those words of verse 2 an image that ultimately God's greatest demonstration of his saving power is not when he rescues an army from military foes, but when he rescues people like you and me from our sin, from death, from separation from God. The psalmist is saying we want God's good news to be spread throughout this world. There are people among us, church family, 
in our country, in our city, in our world who don't know about God's saving power. There are people who are lost in their own sins, who have no hope for eternity. All they have are hope-so hopes, but not no-so hope like we have. Our hope is that we know that Jesus came and died for us so we don't have to pay the penalty for our own sin because we couldn't do it, but Jesus did it. And here the psalm is saying, God, bless us. Make your hand known in our lives so that others may see you at work among us. Man, one of the most exciting things about my trip to Liberia was I, I went with an envelope in my hand with $173 in it. Some of you guys know about this $173, and others of you don't. That $173 was money collected by the Brook Kids every Sunday in their Brook Kids program. Yeah. Over several weeks, maybe even months, each Sunday morning, right now, when they're gathered together in the Brook Kids, our Brook teachers took an offering. And kids brought their quarters, their dimes, their dollars. In fact, just yesterday, I heard about one young girl here at the Brook whose father gave her $9, and she took that $9 and came on Sunday and gave it to that offering. And so I had $173 to bring. And, and the purpose was, it wasn't just any, any reason, but the, they specifically wanted that money to go to the kids of Liberia. So when I came to Pastor Wilson, I said, Pastor Wilson, you got to see something here. We have money that our kids put together for your children. And he says, this is wonderful because the first Sunday of every month, we have a meal for the kids of our church and our community. And we feed the kids lunch afterwards. We'll buy them lunch this Sunday. And so that's what he did. He got that lady, Louise, who cooked the, for the conference as well. And he got her together saying, hey, Louise, here's money from, from Pastor Eric's church, from their kids. And they, and they want you to make a meal for their kids. Um, I have a video for you to watch here to see that before you see the kids uh, eating their food, you're going to see uh, some lizards, all right, Brook kids? You got to hear this. So out there in Liberia, they don't have squirrels like we have squirrels, but they got lizards on every tree, these black and orange lizards and these brown lizards. I mean, they're everywhere. You go outside, like you see squirrels outside of your house, you're going to see lizards. So you'll see a video with some lizards, see if you can spot them, see if you can see there's three of them, see if you can see all three of them. And then there'll be a uh, video of some kids going home from school. They're walking home from school, kids from Liberia and Harbell. And then you'll see Pastor Wilson talking to Luis, telling his congregation about the money the Brook kids have raised. And then you'll get to meet some of the kids of Liberia. Watch the video. Step by step, coming. And so, even though it was down late, I called uh, the president of the building department with high school money here, Dr. Ernest, the children in Dr. Ernest's church, they sent the money. And so, we gave it to the president of the building department. She had prepared something so good. I told her I will be in the children's church today because I don't want to miss that. So, uh, 
the president has prepared for the children to have party for them, and it is money from the Harris church. So after service, parents, children just go home, the children are back there, it is also for children and me. <laughs> because I tasted the chicken last, the chicken last night, well seasoned, uh, preso. And this morning I prepare for a cup of coffee for a job well done. Thank you so much. And after the service, your children can just flow. Thank you. You want to say that you want? Praise the Lord. Just to be grateful to God. Say hi, say hi. Wow. This is money used from the Brook kids to buy the kids here at Living Hope Bible Church a meal after service today. There's a snack with their main meal. Jello rice and chicken. And Miss Louise who put it all together. Thank you. Okay, bye. So Brooke kids, you guys need to know something. Those kids were so encouraged because of your generosity and your prayers. You guys are being a part of God's mission across the world. How cool is that? And so our hope and our prayer is that maybe one day God would even call you to go out. That would be cool, wouldn't that? We would love to see that. Parents, I'll be talking to you guys in a moment about that because you're like, no, nah, my kid ain't going anywhere, right? Um, see, our financial blessings could be a blessing to the world so that God's saving power could be made known. So when we say, God bless us, do so, God, so that we can be a blessing. It's not a selfish prayer if it's rooted in the mission of God. And blessing is not just material. Sometimes it's emotional. Certainly it's spiritual. But all that God chooses to give us, let us never be those who hoard his blessings. But be generous and give them away. And Brooke Kids, we're just so proud of you guys for your generosity. We praise God for you. God's saving power is made known in part because of you. But also, God's saving power is made known as we speak up. The book of Romans says this in chapter 10. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is the Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But then Paul writes this, he says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. He's not talking pedicure here, right? But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. People hear because people are sent. People are sent and they share and therefore people believe and then are saved. 
Well, then who are the sent people? Well, if I had a mirror, I would show you. Because Jesus says in Matthew 28, go therefore, go, go, all of you, go and make disciples of who? All nations. How many nations? Some nations? Some people? All nations. Yeah. Starting in our city, in this Chicago, in this country, in this globe. And so God has called us to go and leave our comforts, cross a room, cross a street, send an email, make a phone call, get on a plane, give money, be on his mission so that his saving power would be made known among all the nations. Another people I, met, I got to meet were two men. Um, when Pastor Wilson was here last time, he mentioned to us that he and his church was going to start a new church. They were going to plant a church. And for us, that's super cool because that's part of our desire at the Brook is to plant more churches. And he says, that's what we're doing. About three hours away from Monrovia, they were planting a church in a place called Zondo. And I got to meet the pastor of Zondo and one of his deacons. Check out this picture here. I got to meet these two, these two men, Pastor David and Deacon Clement. And uh, they were all the way, they came all the way in from Zondo, three hours away for our three-day conference. They stood with some friends for three days. And I got to meet them, talk with them, and hear about their heart and their, their passion for their people and their, their little village. I mean, it's a small village, mud huts, dirt floors, but they're planting churches so that God's saving power will be made known among all peoples. Exciting times. Well, the psalmist continues in verse 3. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. See, God is about the joy of his people. Don't mistake in this. God wants you to have a joy-filled life. He's not a God who delights in your misery. That's not the God of the Bible. He's a God who wants you to sing for joy because of him. Because God says the source of all joy is found in him. So therefore, if you're living a life of joy, that's because you're living a life for God. He wants that for all people. It says here that the psalmist says that God judges people with equity. That's with justice, with fairness. And basically what he's saying, there are people throughout this world who don't understand that, who don't experience justice. And we know that in our own country, there there are cries for justice. And we know there's a lot of uncertainty around certain things that have happened, even with um, Philando Castile. But there's a longing for justice, not knowing what even it looks like in that situation. But we know it's wrong that an innocent man died. We long for justice. A few years ago in Egypt, there was a revolution in the country. And Hazmi Mubarak, the, the, the leader, the president, was overthrown. And that happened in Tunisia and throughout the Middle East. There were different uprisings because there were calls for justice. People long for someone to rule them rightly. And here the psalmist says, it's God that they're longing for. He's the one who is just. He's the one ultimately who will do right. And we long for that. You know, when we go to countries where there aren't just governments, there is a a level of danger, isn't there? I have friends of mine who are uh, missionaries in Egypt. And they were there, there during the uprising. 
And the United States issued out a decree saying that all Americans should leave the country except for necessary personnel. And so Americans began to leave and come back to the States. And to their surprise, some missionaries didn't. And they said this, we are necessary personnel. Love that. My friends, they, were, they asked some other Egyptians, saying, are we going to be safe here? They said, hey, by you staying shows that you're one of us. And they're like, man, God was opening doors for them in a country where it's illegal to share your faith. Are they risking their own joy so that others would find joy? No. They're finding their joy as others are finding joy because they're serving Jesus. God has a burden for all peoples. Church family, we got to understand, people cannot be saved from their sin and from the wrath of God to come by looking in nature. The sun begs, saying, hey, I have a creator. The stars are saying, who put me here? But the sun and the stars are not telling people that Jesus Christ died for their sins. Only messengers do that. People will not be saved by nature. They'll be saved by the gospel, by the messengers of the gospel, by people like you and me. John Piper once says that mission exists because worship doesn't. Think about that. There are places in the world where our God is not worshipped. Therefore, missions exist to bring worship to that place. Of the 6,945 unreached people groups, the vast majority of them are Muslim, Hindu, and Buddhist backgrounds. On my way home from Liberia, we had a layover in Morocco, North Africa. And I was excited. I'm like, we're going to be in Casablanca for 22 hours. This is pretty exciting stuff. And so as we're in Liberia, we're getting ready for our layover. I'm going to do some studying about Morocco. And, and there I realized, oh, snap. Morocco is 99.9% Islamic country. And, uh, of course, people don't speak English in Morocco. So I thought, this is going to be an interesting 22 hours for me and Pastor Ralph as we were there. And so we went to Morocco, and we were in Casablanca for a day. And uh, if you know what was going on with, with, among Muslims right now, you know it's, it was Ramadan when I was there, which is a time where Muslims don't eat or drink from sunup to sundown, which means restaurants weren't open which means I was very hungry. And uh, everyone else thought I was Moroccan, by the way. And so they thought I was being a bad Muslim when I was trying to eat food. And while we were there, it was just it was amazing. There were three places that were open for food. McDonald's, Starbucks, and a Moroccan fast food chain. And so we had at it. We had some Moroccan fast food. I'm not, I'm not coming to Morocco to eat McDonald's. So I'm, I'm going to go with their fast food chain. Um, while we were there, we visited a mosque, the Hassan II, Hassan II Mosque. It is the largest mosque in all of Morocco, one of the largest mosques in the world. Uh, it really is a beautiful building. My heart was struck, though, how a place that could be so filled with people could be so empty of hope. Um, and I don't say this to be mean to, 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 to other world religions, but there's a truth that we stand on, church family. There is nothing that can save a person apart from the shed blood of Jesus. And even among Muslims, they follow Ramadan. 
They pray certain times in the day. They fast in hopes that they can receive favor from their Allah, their God, and hopes that they can receive eternal life. Hopes. There's no certainty. There's no certainty. That's why martyrs and among Muslims are guaranteed eternal life, which is why it makes a lot of the jihadist beliefs very appealing. Church family, Christianity is unique because we understand there is nothing you or I could do to earn our salvation. I'm, I'm a bad guy. My heart is sinful. Your heart is sinful. You know the garbage in your mind, in your heart, in your thoughts. And there's nothing you, an imperfect person, could do to please a perfect God. God is light, you are darkness. God is perfect, you are imperfect. God is holy, you are not. Holiness cannot be with unholiness for eternity. Light cannot be with darkness for eternity. Light had to step into darkness to pay for our sin so that we could become children of God. So when our faith is in Jesus, our hope is there. And we know and believe we're forgiven, not because of anything we've done, but because of what Jesus has done for us. So therefore, we do fast, and we do pray, and we do go on mission, not to appease our God, but because our God has loved us. That separates Christianity from all other world religions. And being in a country that's 99.9% non-Christian was a, a telling thing for me. Because I was there and I realized I'm amidst a lot of darkness. Yes, I'm amidst darkness here in our states. But there was a uniqueness to it there. And my heart began to ache and hurt for these Moroccans. Even when I was in Liberia, there's a mosque only blocks away from Pastor Wilson's house. And at 5.15 in the morning, every morning, I could hear the call to prayer from the imam down the street, calling out in Arabic, telling people to come out and pray. I want you to watch this video here and listen closely as I record from my bedroom in Pastor Wilson's house in Liberia. You'll hear the call to prayer. And then you'll also see some video footage of me in Morocco and hear the call to prayer there. And I want you to see and know and think they need Jesus. They need Jesus. Watch this. After that call to prayer, hundreds, probably thousands of people just started coming and flocking in from Casablanca into the mosque for about a 30-minute prayer, and then they left. Church family, we've got to understand, whether it's one religious belief or another, if Jesus is the only way, all outside of Jesus, we'll not be going to heaven. 
And that's not an arrogant claim we make, but it is an exclusive one we make because Jesus himself made it. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way. The only way to God the Father. The psalmist ends in verse 6. The earth has yielded its increase. God our God shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him because he alone is God. Well, I want to leave you guys with some closing thoughts here. I want to give you three ways you can respond to maybe even some of the stirrings God has in your heart. Maybe he's burdening you for people, for missions. Maybe you say, you know what, I, I want, next summer I'm going on a missions trip. Well, first I want this. I want your heart to ache for God to be known. Let your heart ache for God to be known. May you desire that people would experience true joy because they've come to know God's saving power through Jesus. And if you don't, if you don't ache, if you don't, you don't see those videos and hurt for those who are lost, maybe the first thing you have to do is just pray. Say, God, help my heart hurt for people who are lost. Help me love them like that. Like Nancy Reipel said, love them enough to lay down your life to serve them. The second thing is to consider God's call on your life. I hope that all of you will be considering how you can go on missions, maybe next summer or two or three or five summers from now. And I hope and pray there might be some of you that God says, I I want you to go with a one-way ticket. I'm going to send you. People need to hear. The nations need to be glad and sing for joy. But how will they go unless someone is sent? How will they be sent because God has done it. Parents, I told you I'd talk to you in a moment. God has given you, you who are parents today, he's given you a stewardship called a child. And you have a great privilege to raise up and nurture that child to love Jesus with all her or his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you also have a responsibility to plant a seed of mission into their little minds and water that thing for the rest of their lives. And God may call your child to leave this country, to leave your side and serve him across the world. And you as that child's parent needs to be their greatest cheerleader and saying, God be with you as you serve him. Don't put a leash on your child when God is moving them to mission. Don't put a leash on them. It's your privilege to release them. Yes, raise them up. Feed them God's word. Disciple your sons, your daughters. Give them a passion for God and then say, go wherever God would take you. He may take you to the business streets downtown in Chicago. He may send you to Dubai. You, you, might, you might plant a church in Elmwood Park. You, you might teach at an elementary school, but you may go to North Korea as well under the radar. You may end up in London, but wherever you go, you go in the strength of the Lord. Parents, it's your privilege to send them that way. And it's our delight as a church to come alongside of you and our children and our adults and say, God, be with us wherever to our street corners in Chicago or across the world. 
let them go. My family's become a fan of the movie Moana. Any Moana fans out there? Uh, we were watching it last night, by the way. It's on Netflix. We're super excited about that. Um, if you don't know the story, I'm not going to spoil too much of it, but I'll give you a little bit. Moana's a, a, a girl who's been sent on a mission to restore order to the universe, so to speak. And the ocean has sent her. But in order to do that, she's got to find a, a, a demigod named Maui. But she doesn't know where he's at. So she's on her canoe looking for Maui. And this is all in the beginning of the movie, so I'm not spoiling anything. If you haven't seen it, though, it's your fault, by the way. It's, it's been out for a couple of years. But go see it. No. Um, her canoe gets shipwrecked. And she's super mad at the ocean. And she says this. She says, what? I said, help me. And wrecking my boat is not helping. But then she found out that she was shipwrecked on the island where Maui was. And I thought, isn't that so true of our lives sometimes? We said, God, help me. God, send me. Do something. And he put, makes life very uncomfortable for us. And we're saying, God, that's not helping me. Because you think you know what you need. And then you stand up and you realize you're right in the place God wants you to be. As we were watching a movie yesterday, Levi said, but it did help her, right? We're like, it sure did. <laughs> Sometimes life feels like you're being shipwrecked. And maybe God's stirring in your own heart right now and he's making you uncomfortable because he's saying, hey, I want you to be a part of my work whether it be in Chicago or elsewhere, and you feel resistant right now because there's danger ahead. There's insecurity ahead. There's loss of comfort ahead. There's sacrifice ahead. And God's saying, you obey me. It might be a little stormy, but I'll put you where I want you to be, and I got you. But you got to obey. You got to get in the boat. So consider the call on your life. And thirdly, be ready to relinquish everything for God. Relinquish everything for him. Well, when Keziah asked me the question years ago, why hasn't anyone told them about Jesus? I remember with tears in my eyes telling her because people don't want to give up their lives. And then I turned away and I stopped and said, Lord, is that me? Is it me that you're speaking to right now? Am I holding on too tightly? I hope you're asking that same question right now. Why hasn't anyone told them? Maybe the Lord's saying, it's because it's you who's supposed to go. It's you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, may we not be found wasting our one life. God, I pray that we would not be found those who are living for today with no sight of eternity, Lord. But would you move us? Would you move us, Lord? 
God, I pray that we would hold our lives with an open hand and say, God, your will be done in my life, in my home, with my singleness, with my career, with my education, with my calling. God, your will be done. Lord, I pray we would be obedient and radical so that your saving power would be made known throughout this earth because our hope is in Jesus. So Lord, help us not shake it. Help us not shake what you're doing in our hearts, but surrender, raise our white flags and say, God, I will obey. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, the missionary God who came to this earth to save us. And all God's people said, amen. Church families, rise to our feet here. As we finish with this closing song, I want to invite our prayer team. Would you guys come on up? Church, we pray not because we feel obligated to pray out of fear. We pray because God has loved us and given us the gift of prayer. Where we get to come to our God and say, God, these are the things in my heart. These are the things I'm struggling with. These are the things that are burdening me. These are my fears. These are my hopes. These are my dreams. And we get to bring them before God. And maybe today God is doing that in you. And you've got something in your hand you want to open. You just don't know how to do it. There are men and women here who would love to pray with you. That you can release and say, God, I'll do it. And maybe today you come and you're searching out this Christian faith. And we would find no greater joy than to see you come to know this God that we're talking about. We want his fame spread not just around the world, but even in this building, in this community. And we want you to know that true joy is found in Jesus. Forgiveness from all the sin in your life, from all your mistakes, all your failures, is found in Jesus. And you can be a child of God and not an enemy of God. Apart from God, we're enemies of God. But when we put our faith in Jesus, we're children of God. We're forgiven and we turn from our old life and he gives us a new life. If that's the decision you want to make today, our prayer team wants to pray with you for that as well. We would consider it a true privilege to pray with you. Church family, as we sing, let this place resound with these voices, with our conviction that Jesus is all that we need. Will you sing that way? Will you sing that way? Let's do that together. There is love that came from.